You're listening to OEA Grow, a member-led production of the Oregon Education Association and a proud member of the Labor Radio Podcast Network. OEA Grow is by members, for members. In Season 11, educators discuss a culture of care with Dr. Amy Yillick. Hello, and welcome back to Season 11 of OEA's Grow podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Amy Yillick, and this season we are talking all things cultures of care. And I'm so excited. Today's guest is Jamie Gunter, and um, she does a variety of things. I will let her kind of talk about her background. But really today, we are going to be talking about tier two supports. And um, I'm just thrilled to have you here. Thanks, Jamie. I am happy to be here. (laughs) That's awesome. Thank you. Um, Could you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, like your background in education and, and what you do and what you're currently doing? Absolutely. I actually started as an educational assistant um, and moved to alternative education in Lapine um, before I decided to go back and get my master's in counseling. So I'm currently a high school counselor for Ben Lapine Schools, and I also am the suicide prevention coordinator for the entire district. Wow, that's a lot. It is. <laughs> I also have a private practice on the side where I'm a licensed professional oh. counselor, but, you know, that's that's another role. <laughs> yeah, just a few things. I find educators tend to have quite a few hats that they, they wear, for sure. Um Well, I would love for you to talk a little bit about Tier 2 supports, but before we do that, just in case someone in Oregon um, isn't really sure what uh, MTSS is, the Multi-Tiered Systems of Support, what that is and even what a Tier 2 is, could you explain a little bit about what that means? So Tier 1 supports are what all students receive. Um, tier two is what, a, you know, some of the students receive. And then tier three would be what just a few of the students receive based on academic need, social emotional need, whatever it is that, you know, that they're struggling with. So tier one for like a high school counselor would be we go in and we teach lessons to the entire school. Tier two would be we do small groups based on social emotional learning or maybe you know, academic needs. And then tier three would be maybe we're doing one-on-one counseling with that student. Gotcha. Great. Um, Yeah, I think, and tier two, in my experience of working in schools, and then also now in my current role as kind of an educational coach, tier two seems to be the one that's like, the hardest. Those are the ones that we often get the questions about. Like, okay, we get what we should be doing at tier one. We get what we should be doing at tier three. Often, you know, kids that um, have IEPs and things like that. But what about those tier two kiddos? Like, right. How do we support them? Those kids. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Those kids who are getting three or more Fs, that they aren't coming to school, they've got pretty low attendance, they just have like those high needs, and yet, right? Like, what are the supports that we have for them? 
Um, a lot of times, so we have a role in Ben Lapine that we call a graduation coach, um, and that fulfills a need for some of those tier two students. They focus predominantly on freshmen, making sure they're on track for graduation. Um, we have, um, at some buildings, we have a check and connect program that they do where they check in with those students. They make sure, you know, what do you need? How can we help you? Um, sometimes we have um, people who run small groups, high school counselors or student success um, coaches, not sure what they're called in every building. Um, right. And they do, you know, social emotional groups where students learn to put some tools in their toolboxes. So those are a couple of different of tier two interventions. High school counselors do a lot of um, tier two work where they, you know, run the data, they check in, they see what those students need. And then they often, often those small groups are what we do for this, for the tier two interventions, because you cannot do the one-on-one -on -one work with all the tier two students. There's too many of them. So it's often the small group work, whether it's academics, um, you know, and there's also sometimes like a seventh period class where all of the tier two students get put in because they all have failing grades. So that might be another tier two intervention. Hmm. Yeah. What, um, and so how, how do you spend kind of the majority of your time working with this population? Well, that's a great question. So in my, in my counselor role, so I'm, I'm split um, almost half and half in my job duties for Ben Lapine. So in my counselor role, the tier two would be mainly small group. Um, pieces of this is working with your, your team and, and collaborating with staff, families, outside providers um, to get those tier two students what they need. Um, do they need an outside referral for mental health? Do they need tutoring? Like what is it that those students are lacking? How, how come they're, they're needing that additional help and, and how can we help them, them resource it? Yeah. And, and does this really, you know, what you do with tier two, is that when you started this work, is that what you thought you would be doing? How does that fit? Um, so I actually started working with mainly tier two kids when I started in education because um, I was working in like alternative ed at the time, which we don't have anymore. Um, and so I actually do spend a good portion of my time working with tier two kids um, just because I work in a very small high school. And so even though I'm called the counselor and that's my licensure, um, I get to do all of the roles, which means they put all of the um, the FTE together and say that they're like, Jamie, do all the roles. So I get to do all of that. Um, so um, one of the, the, the interventions that we have at our school, we call it the focus room. Most schools have some sort of space for students to regulate during the day. And um, every school uses it a little bit differently, but it's a really good tier, tier one and tier two and tier three intervention because it's a space where, you know, any student during the day that needs to regulate can come do that. They can take a break. Uh, maybe they just need 10 minutes. Maybe they need 10 minutes and a counselor check-in. Maybe that student has moved into the tier three role, right? And they spend a period in there, but it's a really good um, way for students to learn that they can come down. They can they can spend ten minutes regulating. You might do some mindfulness or some breathing, uh, but it's a space where they can learn how to re-regulate themselves. 
Oh, that's so great. I know in my role when I was doing direct service, that was one of the things that I really had tried to advocate for in the school that I worked in. And and honestly, it was one of the, the coolest things that I was able to help, ed, you know, get started and like confession time. Like it's also one of the things that I I feel like I failed at because I I got the buy-in from admin and we got this room created and then we hired somebody kind of to man it and I walked away. And so it wasn't very successful the first, you know, um, year or so that they, they had it. And so I feel like I learned some lessons there. How do you make your focus room successful? It's across from the counseling office. So students, it's right there where we can manage it. So they check in with us. What do you need? I always ask, what do you need? And they can either have that space. They don't have to talk to me, but they can have the space. And I always check in at the beginning and the end of their time so that I can manage like, you know, you can obviously see when a student is in distress. Um, I never want them to be sitting in there alone if they're if they actually need an adult. Um, There's a door with a window so I can actually see like, you know, in manage, you know, how they're doing. And I always check in and make sure that they're doing okay. And I always offer tools, you know, so I always want students to, to learn skills and not just use the room for, you know, escaping from class. And so we've definitely turned the room into, this is not a place for you to come get out of class. It's not a place to use your phone. It is a room for you to regulate and learn skills and talk to a counselor. Right. How do you, how do you kind of like, I don't want to say all <laughs> that, yeah. but, but you know, how do you navigate, uh, particularly around technology, right? That is right. Just with any student and not just high school students with, you know, middle school and elementary. Right. How do you navigate that? Well, so it, things have changed a little bit this year. The room is the counseling office and the focus room are both located in the main office. And so, as you know, in schools, everything's locked, like main offices are locked from the outside. And so students access from the main office door. So they're actually checked in by the main office staff. And she just asks for their phone and iPad when they arrive. Now, I can get those back, if, you know, cause certain students, music is how they regulate. Right. Great. And if I know that, and we've had a conversation, I go get their iPad and give it to them and they can listen to music. But it's, it was a place, you know, over, you know, as we've developed this, it, right. it did become kind of a place where kids were like, oh, I just want to listen to my music or text my friend. And I'm like, no, that's not what this place is for. Yeah. Yeah. So we've, that's really tough. Every year we've kind of shifted a little bit and changed things. And it's, it's really about what they need, but I want them to learn skills and not just rely on technology. Yeah. What would you say is like the number one skill that your students are, are needing? Emotional regulation is a big one, I would say. Yeah. yeah. Just being able to kind of calm them. So, I mean, that's true, like for the whole world right now, right? Agree. <laughs> Agree. Yeah. We all have this, this area where we're calm and regulated and ready to, to learn and be with people. It seems like that that area just has shrunk. Absolutely. <laughs> 10 years or so. So I would say 
Another tier two intervention that we are using right now is for substance use. Um, students get referred to whoever in the building is doing it, mainly counselors. And we are using um, a program called Teen Intervene. And it's a you know brief intervention program from uh, Hazleton Betty Ford. And so they get referred to us after they're caught at school and we go through this. It's mainly motivational interviewing and CBT and it's a pretty good program. And so we do that as a tier two intervention uh, for substance use. And we've, we're also starting sources of strength in all of our, almost all of our schools, grades six through 12. And the sources of strength peer leaders are implementing campaigns, tier one, and the fact that those leaders are kind of the tier two intervention with themselves. And some of the schools are doing tier two work as well as tier one. So the sources of strength intervention is a pretty great one. It's a um, sources of strength is an evidence-based suicide prevention and mental health promotion program. And it's, it's pretty amazing. Oh, that's great. I'll make sure to get those links for both sources of strength and um, teen intervene. Is that what teen intervene? The program is actually called upshift the program. That's it's a partnership between Deschutes County and Ben Lapine schools, but the curriculum we use is called teen intervene. Great. Awesome. What would be um, like your number one strategy for helping, uh, teens and staff and, you know, parents with emotional regulation? What's the, what's the one little. Ooh, that's a good one. Hmm. I think I usually go to, you know, grounding, breathing, DBT skills. Those are my favorite calm place, which is an EMDR skill. I love all of those. What would grounding look like? So, I mean, basic grounding would just be what are five things you see? What are four things you can touch? What are three things you hear? Two things you smell? One thing you taste? Or you could do pick a color and find 10 things in the room of that color. You can go through and pick as many colors as you want. Um, Calm place is a really nice one. You just think of a place that makes you feel calm and relaxed, and then you use all of your five senses to describe it. So what do you see in that place? What do you hear in that place? What do you smell in that place? What can you feel in that place? And the more descriptive you get, the more grounded you you become. Right. So any of those. Yeah. I used to do an activity very similar to that with kiddos that I worked with. And I would have them, if they felt comfortable, draw it out or they could write it out or they could just tell me whatever. And then I would just do a simple breathing uh, activity. And I would give them, you know, those little, they're like gems. They're like just little crystal glass beads almost, but you get them to fill. I think florists use them and like jars. Okay. So I would buy those at Michael's or whatever. They're so, and it's like, you get, you know, a big bag of them for $2 or something. And I'd let the student pick the gem that they wanted 
And then we, I would just do this breathing where they imagined that that calm place, their safe place was mm-hmm. in that gem. And then I would give them the gem <laughs> and I'd be like, okay, you have this with you, keep it in your pocket. And anytime you're starting to feel like a little unsafe or not calm, you can just take that out and imagine it again. So that was kind of a, a fun little activity that I used quite a bit. I love that one. Yeah. Feel free. Take it. I'll I love it. All of our stuff and use it. <laughs> what do you love about what you do? I love working with students and helping them become their own best selves and learn skills to manage themselves, right? If they become dependent on you, you might not be there, right? So that's not a great strategy. But if you teach them their own strategies that they can use themselves, they become self-sufficient, they become their own self-advocates, that's what you want. So that is exciting to be able to do that. And then in my suicide prevention role, I love working with staff and, and collaborating with them and helping them become, you know, more confident in all things suicide prevention. Yeah, that's so great. Um, what are some of the, what are the needs that you're seeing currently in your roles? Um, definitely an increase in mental health challenges. Um, the youth truth data, like in the past several years across the board, shows that students definitely feel more stressed, depressed, and anxious, which is an obstacle to their learning. Yeah. Yeah, we're seeing that across all the schools, all the districts in the region, really. Um, kids are struggling. They're really struggling. I'm, I'm grateful that they they have you and people like you in, in, this, um, in the schools, for sure. What would you say are some of your, your big successes? Um, I would say I've definitely seen successes in, like in my school role, um, in empowering students to manage their own stress and find ways to cope and just reaching out for help. Um, in high school counseling, we use data to inform the decisions we make. And, you know, we have to show data that shows how what we do makes a difference for kids. And so, you know, every year we look at that at the end of the year, and it's really just amazing to to see that we do make a difference for kids. And so that is amazing. Always looking and saying, you know what, I I did a great job this year. Kids know how to manage their stress much more than they did at the beginning of the year. So that to me is very, um, very empowering. What would be some of the markers that you would look at? So last year, what we did uh, at my school, uh, my counseling intern and I, is we took the youth truth measures, um, the ones that were simply when I'm feeling upset, stressed, or having problems, my school has services that can help me. Um, There's an adult I can talk to. I know ways to make myself feel better. And then I believe in my ability um, to do so and that it's improving. And we took that measure three times, beginning of the year, mid-year, and end of the year. And then the intervention that we did last year was we started Sources of Strength at my school a year before the district did. And so we pushed out um, the Sources of Strength wheel um, where, where it just helps 
kids realize like I have strengths in all of these different areas and what does that look like? And then, you know, taught some different skills, tier one, so school-wide, um, all year long. And then starting in January, we started our peer leaders, and then they pushed out campaigns school-wide. We did a We Belong campaign, and we did a mental health month in May, where we just did a whole bunch of things. And so, so, so all year, we taught the kids, like, you have strengths, here's what they are, here's how you can cope. How do you find a trusted adult? So we did lots of different things and all of our measures improved by the end of the year. Wow. That's really amazing. Yeah. It was really empowering. Yeah, for sure. What would be, what would you say are some of the barriers to doing, you know, tier two work in particular, but really any of the things that you do? Uh, time, funding, funding is a big one. Um, yeah. Funding and time, I would say, are always my biggest barriers. Like, I'm split, right? Half time, half time. Yeah. Um, and that's that's hard. That's really hard. Um, not that I don't have a counterpart, but she's also split. And so it's just really difficult to do the work, um, even if you're there full time. It's just, it's a lot. There's a lot of work to be done, and you're always stretched thin and, yeah, competing interests. Right. Right. Joys of education, for sure. It's the joys of education. I would I would say also, um, so the suicide prevention role that I hold is a pretty amazing that Ben Lapine puts money into that because there is no money for that. So Oregon is one of the first states to ever have um, legislation that requires the district to have, you know, this protocol, this policy for suicide prevention, and yet it's unfunded. And so it's pretty amazing that I get to do that work, especially because in Deschutes County, we have higher rates of suicide in our youth than the state and the nation. So I feel really privileged to be doing both the roles I do and yet funding and barriers, you know, funding is always a barrier. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's such a, I mean, it's like, I don't know if it's the most important, but it's certainly one of the, the very top important things that we should be doing in schools. Um, how do you take care of yourself so you can keep doing this work? Oh boy. Well, <laughs> I definitely have gotten better over, over time at listening to myself, taking time off when I need it and just, Self-care, 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 sleep, eating well, exercise, and spending lots and lots of time with my kids because they're the most important things. Yeah. Feeling that those, it's amazing too, when we lean into kind of those foundational strategies, how much it really does buffer stress in our lives. Yeah. And Um, it sounds so simple, right? And yet it's not because you have such limited time in your day and you're like, I'm tired, but I will feel better if I do all these things. Yeah. It's, um, it's one of the, when you're tired at the end of the day, (laughs) the last thing you want to do is do anything that might, you know, make us feel better. right? Right. And yet those are the things that, that work for sure. Um, if I gave you a magic wand, and uh, you could use it for this work, what would happen? Um, well, let's see. I would definitely 
I would fund more, more counselors, because that is a real problem. Um, there's not enough counselors to do this work. And I would definitely fund um, the suicide prevention role full time. And I would probably pay all of those people more so that they could uh, do the work even, even better. Um, so that we would have less, you know, less suicidal ideation, more children who had met mental health needs, and so that every student would graduate with their pathway chosen and full scholarships and know exactly what they were going to do. Yeah. Oh, it's a dream world. I know. I know. I spent, you know, I started off my job as a, as a school counselor and, so my heart is really there. And I just think, man, the things that we could accomplish if we had, you know, actual school counselor to student ratios that even came close to what is recommended. I mean, what is it? Two, 250? Is that the recommended 250 students to one school counselor? Yep, it sure is. Yeah. And that yeah. doesn't exist anywhere, but yeah. that would be nice. Yeah. Well, it does exist in some places, but not in Oregon. Not in Oregon. <laughs> yeah, that would be amazing. Um, Jamie, thank you so much. I really just, I think you're an amazing practitioner. I'm glad you were able to share some of your knowledge. Um, before we go, what else would be important for you to, to share with our listeners? I just am so appreciative of your work also uh, and the culture of care team because they make a huge difference for educators and helping them learn amazing skills. Um, just seeing you at the DBT skills training the other day, uh, I just so appreciate the work you do. So I just want to give you a shout out. Oh, mm -hmm. well, thank you. That was not, I did not pay her to say that. <laughs> Unpaid, unpaid endorsement. <laughs> unpaid endorsement. Oh, well, thank you so much, Jamie. I really appreciate your time. Um, for our listeners, that's all we have today, uh, talking with Jamie Gunter. And please tune in for the next um, episode with Culture of Care. We're going to continue this conversation. And I look forward to talking to you and hearing from y'all then. But until then, take care. For more OEA professional learning opportunities, visit grow.oregonad.org.